Good morning. It is Kale and Company Live. Welcome to the program. Great to have you along with us. And we are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and find your plan at deltadentalcoversme.com. And we have a fascinating guest in studio today. And her name is Masherie Chappelle. And I will remember that name. I mean, from the great Stevie Wonder song, Masherie Amore. But she was not named for that song. Ma, Ma Cherie, welcome to the show. Great to have you with us. It's great to be here. Good morning. Well, good morning to you. And uh, first of all, tell us the story about how you got your beautiful first name. Well, um, my mother says that when she was pregnant with me and she was going to her job every day as a switchboard operator, um, she would be on the bus and every day the bus would pass a French dry cleaners called My Cherie French Dry Cleaners. And so when I was born, she called me My Cherie. Um, but changed it phonetically to Mashiri. And my grandmother, um, her mother said, no one's going to remember that name, and she nicknamed me Penny. <laughs> so I have been blessed by a French dry cleaners and then my grandmother, Jenny Johnson. <laughs> Very nice. And uh, Mashiri is uh, chair of the New Hampshire Writers Project, uh, th- I'm just going to read a, a brief biography because I know there's a whole lot more. But author of the uh, Oracle Files series and The Descendant, a, a Smith College graduate where she received a B.A. for theater and writing. And she is a, a data analyst by day and a novelist, playwright, and intuitive consultant by night. Is all that true? All of that is and true. And a whole lot more. And yeah, yeah. Pro- there is a little bit more. We could go on and on, <laughs> and we will. We, we have plenty of time to uh, talk with uh, Ma Cherie, uh today, and uh, so glad that she could join us. In fact, I, I met you uh, a couple of weeks ago in Concord when uh, a number of writers uh, got together at uh, the beautiful Bank of New Hampshire stage in downtown Concord, and our good friend uh, Paul Brogan was there, and Absolutely. Laura Canoy Laura was uh, was part of it uh, as well, and you were sitting right in the front row. Well, uh, you know, Margaret Evans Porter, um, she and I, um, in 2019, we tied for the New Hampshire Literary Award for Outstanding Work of Fiction. I did mine for the Oracle Files, and I believe hers was for the uh, book about, I think it it's an actress. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to rem- remember okay. the name of it. Yeah. But um, she invited me, um, and that was very gracious of her. And um, so I got to sit in the front with the um, some of the other authors, and we got to um, present our books. And uh, it was a wonderful evening because it was celebrating the writers, authors here in, in Concord, um, and but also the need to write and the passion to write, um, and the hopefully the desire to read. We need to keep reading. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I don't think uh, most of us do enough of it uh, these days. But uh, it was a, t- a terrific night, as you mentioned, and it just brought to light what a, a great 
wealth of writing talent that we have in the state of New Hampshire. It is it's absolutely amazing. Um, as the chair of New Hampshire Writers Project, I am surrounded by writers, and I'm finding that there are still so many others that exist that I don't, I didn't even know were here. And um, they're talented and they're published um, traditionally, and some are um, published by indie publishers. And um, I, I think it's um, important that we focus on, well, New Hampshire Writers Project wants to focus on the great talent here in our state. Yeah, and there's no doubt there is uh, plenty of it. And, uh, you know, it, we are very blessed in this state to have uh, a number of uh, terrific authors, as we just mentioned. Uh, last week here on the program, we did a, a local musician's week. And my next goal, as I told you uh, off the air a few moments ago, we are definitely going to do a New Hampshire Authors Week here on the show. Well, I, I will have a list for you. <laughs> We could I, probably go for weeks, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe, you know, I'm astonished and thrilled that we have so much talent here. And uh, we need to keep nurturing it and spotlighting it um, so that we recognize that New York is not the only place where talent exists. No, not at all. And, and I mentioned you were an intuitive. Yes. And as an intuitive... How much do you rely on your intuition? Um, I will say 100%. 100%. Whatever I get the first time, I do not deviate from. I've had clients sit across from my table, and they walk in, and I'll see something, and I'll say, oh, we're going to be talking about this today. And they said, well, I came here to talk about this. I said, well, you know, that's very nice, but that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> and ultimately, um, everything that I had received was spot on. And oft sometimes they say, well, that didn't happen, or I don't remember that. And then I'll get a call days later, a week later, say, oh, my gosh, I just remembered. Oh, how did you know that? Um, so it's not about me. It's really f to um, help other people, um, and I feel blessed with that gift as well. And I use it um, to guide NHWP. Um, I get constantly get visions of what we can do and who I should be talking to to, to get help. And, um, and I use it also as a story guide to help mm. authors tell their stories. Now, do you do uh, intuitive readings? Yes. You do? I do intuitive yeah. readings. Um, I'm also a feng shui consultant, and so I use that as well to do remote viewing to help people um, with their— my intuition goes into looking at spaces, and I can see things that need to be cleared out or rearranged so that people can have a more prosperous and um, positive life. Um, so I feel very blessed that it works across—it applies in all different aspects of my life. Well, absolutely. Have you always been uh, an optimistic, uh, positive person? I think so. I, I don't know how else to be. Um, when someone comes around me who's not so optimistic, they don't last too long. Um, <laughs> well, they have a choice. They can transition transcend or transit away. <laughs> but um, I generally, you know, I just like to always focus on what I want to achieve. Um, and I 
try to inspire other people around me to do the same because ultimately um, you get what you focus on, right? Absolutely. So your life is 99% intention and 1% action. Did you know that? Because it's all based on your thought and what you're focusing on. Mm-hmm. So whatever you're intending is what you manifest. Well, yeah, I, your name uh, first came up. I was having a conversation with our mutual friend, uh, Laura Canoy, and uh, she said, you are an absolute force of nature that gets things done. That's how she described you. I, I, I will agree with that, um, and it's not to sound immodest. It's I don't want to waste time. I don't want to waste time. My husband, who passed away in 2021, he had Alzheimer's. Uh, he had Alzheimer's, dementia, and he had the esophageal MS. So every day that I cared for him, it was a day where I tried to instill life in a difficult you know, mm-hmm. situation for him, and we'd go to the Sunflower Festival, we'd go to the beach to see the sand sculptures, but it was all about being present and being in life. And my lesson with him was that, um, that I got from him was that you go and you live life. You know, you just never know. So you get out and you live it every day and try to live it without regret. So positivity is a big part of that. Yeah, absolutely so. Live, live in the moment. I mean, you don't know how many moments you have. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and, you wanna, and you want to live so that you're not doing anything that you regret afterwards. Um, and you don't allow, uh, well, it's your choice, but I don't allow anything to come in that's not serving my higher healing good. Fascinating lady, as I as I promised, and I think uh, I think we delivered. Uh, Masherie Chappelle is with us here on Kale and Company, and we've only scratched the surface, folks. There's a lot more to come on this program here on WKXL NHTalkRadio.com, and uh, we are presented by Northeast Delta Dental, and uh, we will be right back with Masherie right after these words. Stay with us. Company live here on WKXLNHTalkRadio.com. A delight to have you along with us this morning and uh, or this evening if you're listening to the rebroadcast between 7 and 8 on WKXL and NHTalkRadio.com. Also delighted to have Masherie Chappelle. I hope I'm doing your name justice, Masherie. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, Masherie where did your your journey begin? Well, I first was I was born in Harlem, um, New York, and we moved to the South Bronx. My mother and her second husband, we all moved to the South Bronx, which became very um, went from Irish Catholic to Puerto Rican <laughs> community, um, bilingual community. So I grew up in a bilingual community, which was fabulous. And my neighborhood was where, at my end of where we lived, was Puerto Rican. And then you, the, the street would go from Puerto Rican to Cubano, Dominicano, West Indian, and African American. And that's all in one neighborhood. That's wow. just one street. And mm. it was fabulous. Um, and from there, I went away to Guilford High School, 
uh, where I got a, it's it's the ABC program. They have one at Phillips Academy in Exeter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where it's called a better chance where they take students who are academically gifted out of the urban area because the educational curriculum at their schools isn't on a high, a particularly high standard. And they bring them into a um, more uh, suburban um, populated type, well, I'll just say a more enriched community where the um, curriculum is on a higher standard. And you go to school, you live in a house with other students. I lived with six, seven, six other, six other girls. And uh, we were the only African-American students in Guilford High School. And I was the first to graduate. And from there, I went on to Smith. Um, And at Smith, I was kind of a pain in the keister because (laughs) I wanted to direct on the stage. And they um, said, no, you're just a student. You can't do that. And I was, I decided, well, you gave me a full scholarship. What do you mean I can't direct? So the only way I could direct my first play was if I rented the theater and I paid for the, and paid for my actors. So I got a second job and I did that. And then it got a lot of notoriety. It was called Don't Cry Cause the Sun Don't Shine. That was my first play. It got a lot of notoriety in Northampton. It was written up in the newspaper. Uh, Jill Kilkira Conway got wind of my interview with the Northampton newspaper where they asked me, uh, did Smith support your production? And I told them I was not allowed to use a theater. I had to rent it, and I worked two jobs. I paid for everything myself. And she brought me into the office, and I saw the newspaper article on her desk, and then I feared I would lose my scholarship. And I said, perhaps I spoke too much. <laughs> but she, she was surprising. Uh, she looked at me and she said, so I suppose you read this. And she moved the newspaper article in front of me. I was like, I don't want to look at this. I don't want to look at this because I know what I said. <laughs> and she said, congratulations. And I said, thank you. And she said, no, the next time you need something, let us know. I said, okay, and that following year, we got a lot of money to do student productions, the theater department, because they had cut our budget prior Mm. to that, but then they increased it. So I kind of started off there being a pain, (laughs) and well, let me say determined. Determined, yes. Determined, Um, and I just really wanted those opportunities because when I saw that stage, I said, oh, I have to come to this school. I had gotten into Amherst, Yale, Wesleyan, Williams, Bennington, and I can't remember if I said them all. And that was the year that Amherst was taking women for the first time. Mm. But they all were giving me scholarships, but I hadn't heard back from Smith. And when I did, they said, we don't have money for you. And then I was like, oh boy, I really wanted Smith because I wanted that stage because mm. it was better than what you would see on Broadway. That's how, that's, wow. yeah, oh, wow. phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah. And um, 
I got accepted into Amherst, so I said, okay, I'll go to Amherst. My academic advisor said, go to Amherst, and then you can take classes at Smith. And I was like, yeah, but I want to live at Smith. (laughs) And as I'm walking and talking about uh, the intuition and spirituality entering the, the scene, I was walking to the mailbox to mail my begrudged <laughs> acceptance like okay I'll, co- I'll come to Amherst and Amherst is an amazing college but it was it wasn't Smith and I I was literally pulled the door open for the mailbox and was about to drop it in and the mailman saw me he was walking up to the ABC house and he just screamed my name Penny and by the way Penny is actually um, Penelope for the writer so uh, my grandmother knew what she was doing I guess so and um he was holding a white envelope, and he said, Penny, Penny. And I looked down, he says, Smith. And I closed the door to the mailbox, ran over, and I opened it up, and there was a big, thick wad of papers accepting me to Smith wow. with full scholarship, full scholarship. Wow. So I was not going to waste one nickel while I was there, and um, I wanted that theater. I got that theater. Mm. And then I got um, other um, students to be able to produce at Smith. And that school, to me, was a life-changing force, Um, particularly Bill Hatch, who was my set designer and academic advisor. Um, He and Len Berkman, he was an inc- he's an incredible playwright and teacher. I've, while I was there, I won like three Dennis Johnson Playwriting Awards. I just kept writing and kept writing. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, it was uh, Bill Hatch, and I want to mention him because he changed my life forever. He was from Texas, and he always wore his hat and his cowboy boots. And I have to say, one... Um, uh, another African American student says he's racist, and I was like, I don't get that at all. So, I was actually on my way to ask him to be my academic advisor, and she said that, and something just pushed me to say, keep walking, and that was the man who looked at me after a year. And um, this was my junior year. I'd taken all the writing classes that I could. I had done a lo- all the theater that I could. And he says, well, there's nothing left for you to do now. You've taken everything. We know you can act. We know you can write. So that's, and this is what changed my life. He said, you're going to be a Smith scholar. And, okay, so I'm a television mushmouth. What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> and he says, no, you're going to go and do independent study for your last two years because there's nothing else for you to do in the five college community. You took, you, you ate it all. And so for the last two years, I wrote a play every year, um, a full-length play um, that was kind of like a thesis mm-hmm. um, for my junior and senior year. And um, that changed me. Um, after that, I was commissioned by the Third World Theater Series at UMass to write a play. Um, I still, I was still an undergraduate, um, and um, it just from there that confidence. He he instilled that confidence in me when he said, "No, you can do this. You've done everything you need to do. Now just go and do it." 
Um, and so that man, I credit that man, that alleged racist man, with um, providing this kid from the Bronx, this black little girl from the Bronx, with this ability and tenacity and determination to be a writer and creator and playwright. Um, and I think from all of that is what I use to apply to my leadership at um, New Hampshire Writers Project. Mm. Um, and I want writers, no matter what their skill set, to have the kind of opportunities I received, um, but most importantly, to have the support. Um, without that support and that um, family-type environment, community, it's hard to write. It's hard to write. You want someone that you can say, well, I'm stuck here. Who can I, let me run this by you. And I, I'm there for that. Um, and I run, I also run, I don't know how I'm doing this, um, I run our Manchester's Writers' Night Out. And that's where throughout the state we have Writers' Night Out that mm -hmm. meets. Um, it can be in Derry, Portsmouth, Concord. I, I, I was doing the Manchester one, and then I became chair, and I said, I can't do all of that and this. And it just kind of fell, you know, just kind of dissolved. And I just saw the need, and I said, well, it's only one Monday <laughs> a night, a month. A month, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so now I do that. Wow. You are involved in, in many things. Ma Cherie Chappelle, and we'll talk more about the uh, New Hampshire Writers Project uh, when we come back, and uh, a number of other things as well. And uh, you, as I said, fascinating person with a, a great story to tell and uh, an inspiration to many, with it, without question. We will continue here on uh, Kale and Company Live. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at deltadentalcoversme.com. Back after these words on WKXL and nhtalkradio.com. Welcome back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. And uh, we are joined in studio today by Masherie Chappelle, and, uh, author, playwright, and, uh, oh, I could just go on and on, intuitive, and, uh, wow, just a, a fascinating lady. And she is also chair of the New Hampshire Writers Project. So tell us a little bit about that for those of us who aren't too familiar with it. Well, I'm happy to t love to talk about New Hampshire Writers Project. It's in my veins. Um, New Hampshire Writers Project has been in New Hampshire for over 35 years, and um, it has transitioned into um, from being um, a source of, for writers um, and um, more traditionally published writers to now uh, being a source for all writers. Um, and we're trying, well, our mission is to nurture writers, nurture and grow them. We find you, we nurture you, we grow you, we want you, we want to hear your voice, we want your product, your literary baby to look fabulous on the shelf. And we're trying our best to merge and marry with all the other uh, 
existences such like Gibson's Bookstore. Mm. We want to have our uh, we um, in the past we've had our books on the on their shelves, and we're looking to bring that program back. It's um, and um, that was our brick and mortar program where we actually had our members' books on the shelves of Gibson's Toadstool, and um, e- essentially we're looking to make sure that everyone knows there's talent here. And the talent that is here, we want to support it um, and spotlight it. Um, and we, for those people who've always had a passion to write but didn't know where to start or um, who they could talk to, we are the place that you come and we are that family for you. And um, so we have been doing um, transitioning with COVID, uh, we maintained our existence via Zoom, and I know everyone is exhausted by Zoom. (laughs) So this year we're doing, finally, we're back in person for our 603 conference, which is Saturday, June 3rd, and we have Mark Dagnostino, another gem, um, literary gem here in the state of New Hampshire. He has written, um, he has sold He has had, let me say this um, clearly, seven New York Times um, best-selling books. Wow. Seven. Mm. And he primarily works with memoirs, celebrity memoirs. And um, so he is a phenomenon of his own. And um, so he's our keynote speaker this year, and we're focusing on memoirs at – our conference, um, and although the focus is on memoirs, the bottom line is it's about writing and telling a great story. So you can take marketing classes if you've already um, have a product that you um, want to sell. Uh, you can take classes on the craft of writing. You can. Um, we will have a incredible panel discussion. Um, it's called the literary experience from the pitch to film and um, essentially on that panel we have Brenda Chari she her book the East Indian she's an this is an interesting story uh, we had our first pitch party back in 2019 20 I, th- I believe it was 2019 2020 which is when COVID hit mm. so it was probably 2020 and she was our we had to come up with something to do online because COVID had isolated us all. And we came up with the concept of a pitch party. And we had a panel of literary agents and other literary professionals um, listen to the pitches that were submitted. Um, We had, the first year we had about 16 uh, literary submissions for pitch party and of the 16, five were selected. When I read hers, I said, this is the winner, hands down. It was an amazing pitch. It was simple, but it was powerful. It was about um, an East Indian coming to America at the time of the height of slavery and what happens to him. And um, she writes on so many different levels. Um, her lit- it's literature. It's just beautiful. And um, so she won. And at the time we had um, on that panel was um, Chris Stenson, who is the uh, director of uh, Sound of Metal. He his his uh, film won for an Oscar for best sound. We had um, Brunonia Barry, 
who is the author of The Lace Reader and um, The Petals. She's, an, uh, again, she also is into the intuitive. Um, and then we had literary agents on that panel, and they all came back. Um, and and I believe Peter, yeah, Peter Biello from NHPR was our moderator, and they all came back resoundly and said she's the winner. Mm. And she went on to... Um, because of that, she says, um, she had the confidence to go and submit her literary uh, query to agencies. And she received, she did get an answer back from William Morris Endeavor, which is huge, one of the top five. Sure. And then she has a two-book deal, and her book is now out. So on this panel at our 603, she will be sitting on that panel from pitch to film um, to discuss that whole process. Um, And uh, we also have two attorneys, entertainment attorneys, who will be, um, and one of them is also a literary agent, who will also be discussing the process of film, how to get your book from film, from from book to film, how, that whole process and all the legalities, but also um, the financial aspects of it because people don't know how it happens. All right. And, and they think it's all instantaneous and no, it's not. And um, the first rule is for writing is you've got to show up. And so I say that to all of my Everybody that I meet at NHWP, every member, the first rule of being a writer is you've got to show up. You've got to sit, have the courage to sit at that desk. And even if the page is blank, the screen is blank, you sit there until something comes. And that takes courage because you have to believe in yourself that it's in there. Um, and so we're looking for, um, we're hoping that everybody will show up because this is going to be a momentous um, coming back from COVID, as well as the, um, that, pit, that uh, panel discussion is going to be amazing. Um, we also, again, have our pitch party. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, those, uh, one, of those, uh, one of the entertainment attorneys is on that panel. So you just don't know who's listening right. and who can help you. So I say to those of you who are thinking about coming to the 603 conference, show up. Show up. Show up. That's very important. That's what, 90% of life is showing up, right? It is. <laughs> yeah, it is. That yeah. is the intention. Yeah. There, there you go. And that, the date again for that? It's Saturday, June 3rd. It's on uh, SNU campus. Mm-hmm. And we will have tremendous, um, again, all of our presenters and our activities are geared for you to um, nurture and support you and inspire you as a writer. Um, and we will feed you because it's on SNU campus and the and the catering is just phenomenal. Yeah, the culinary program is tremendous there. So, oh, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> the food. I'm a yeah. big foodie, so I like to see people's eyes dance when they see the menu that we've selected. Wow. Yes. Okay. So well, where can people get more information? Well, they can go to our website at www.nhwritersproject.org. And um, they can also call 603-270-5466, and I will be picking up, and I can answer questions, and I can get, get you all set up, um, help you select your classes. 
Um, additionally, I've, I don't want to neglect this. We have our New Hampshire Literary Awards that will be in the fall. And um, we are working a, for a special award. I cannot say just yet because I have to sign on the dotted line. But you will be incredibly happy and thrilled that we have partnered with this particular, particular um, group of people. Um, and uh, they, too, believe in high-quality um, inter entertainment and educational experiences. And um, there will be more about that coming out next week, hopefully, in the press. So pay attention. All right. We will. We have been uh, alerted. There you go. Our guest is Masherie Chappelle, and she has a fascinating story to tell. Hey, that rhymes, huh? Maybe I could be a poet. Yeah. <laughs> Marjorie will uh, stay with us, and we have uh, one more segment to go. We could use a lot more, but we just have one. And uh, Kale & Company Live is presented by Northeast Delta Dental. And uh, we'll have more with uh, Marjorie right after these words on WKXL and NHTalkRadio.com. Welcome back, Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Ma Cherie Chappelle is uh, with us here today on uh, Kale and Company. And uh, we've been talking about the New Hampshire Writers Project. And uh, you can uh, find out more at nhwritersproject.org. We mentioned that uh, Ma Cherie has uh, written books, written plays. Uh, have you uh, thought about bringing anything to the silver screen? Um, actually, I have been told that my writing is very cinematic, and my um, recent book, The Oracle Files Escape, it's part of a trilogy. Um, uh, it's about a slave who passes for white. Um, her name is Elizabeth um, Beeson Chase, and she has psychic abilities, um, mm -hmm. and she can actually see into the souls of those around her, but most importantly, she receives the gift to end slavery, and she de delivers that gift to Lincoln, and that's what created the Civil War. Um, and um, it's so... It's a retelling of um, from a different perspective, slavery from a different perspective, and we deal. I deal with the issue of colorism um, and um, the difficulty of, of being fair-skinned during that time, and even in today's world, there's colorism, and not just in the African American community, but there are all in all the different types of. Um, um, communities, East Indian, um, Dominican, Gubano. We, there's the colorism of the light is best. It's better than the dark um, skinned person, and which is insane. But I address that in the book. But that has been said that it should be a movie um, by several people, and these and one person was in the industry that said it. So we shall see. Yeah, we shall see. Yeah, you you know you know about uh, you know what it takes to get it on the screen, but uh, a lot of a lot of things you have to go through before it finally gets there. It's it's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and again, you have to show up. 
Yep. Um, and I'll to give an example, I worked on this book. It was first published by an indie publisher in 2017. Um, I kept seeing so many typos and problems with it that they just would not repair. So I ended that contract and mm. and worked on it myself and finally um, had it um, worked on with an editor. Um, and um, so now it's done. But so imagine 2017 to now. That's yeah. how long it took. But it, it was, you know, and I'm doing all these other things. But uh, <laughs> it's showing up. And having that determination, and um, I've, um, I, I just am grateful. I'm just grateful. So I want this experience about the pitch from from pitch to film for everyone to experience it because I want New Hampshire Writers Project to be a source for the streaming networks like Netflix and Hulu yeah. and Peacock. Yeah. I want them to come and look at our books. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, one of the things I'd like to do when I have a few more people to help me with this is to create uh, just a, just a whole page um, in our, on our website dedicated to these are our books um, with great stories. And so we can attract that kind of um, attention and support and start getting our work, our work up on the screen. And uh, golly gee, we have the, uh, we'll hopefully by then have all the contacts from, from this conference for entertainment attorneys to help us. Sure. But um, that's my goal. Yeah. Um, and I really want um, the state of New Hampshire to be a colony for writers because it's just so beautiful with its mountains, its lakes. Mm-hmm. The topography is just amazing. And it has that environment. It has that a bohemian vibe. Um, to come here and write and to be creative. Yeah, no question about that. Now, you publish yourself, right? You- yes, yes. Um, that's an interesting story. So I started working as a story guide with uh, Dan Pulliat. He's one of my authors. Um, and uh, his book is called Superhuman. And it's about a young boy who has to come to terms with his own ability to manifest he has these gifts that he doesn't know um, what to do with them, and he goes on this journey to grow into them. And um, I thought I was there to help him. And as we're working on his book, um, and I'm getting this intuitive information coming, and I'm just like, nope, I'm not going to say that. And Dan kept saying, say what? I said, I'm not going to say. He says, what is it? I said, listen, they want me to publish your book. He said, yeah, that sounds right. (laughs) And I was like, no, but you don't understand. I don't have that background. And somehow, some way, I got it. So now I'm an indie publisher. Um, My imprint is Portal Star Publishing, and it's a offshoot of my intuitive consultation site, My Portal Star. And um, I have another author, Claudia Decker, whose book, the um the the disappeared of Quizcatlan about the disappeared in Mexico. It's a horrible, horrible scenario. Over thousands of people are have just disappeared. Um and so and that has supernatural elements in it. Um and um so she's another author that I'm working with and um I've just been blessed. So I the reason why my publishing company came into existence is because 
no one knows what to do with me. <laughs> no one knows. I, I, I have to say this. I went to a literary agent at my own event at the um, New Hampshire Writers Project, and I'm talking to them, two of them, about all of my my um, psychic phenomena, like psychic experiences, and they're like, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. And then when it comes time to sit and talk to them about maybe being representing my, my work, they said, well, we think you should belong in self-help. I was so shocked. I thought they called me the help. And I, I was like, wait, what? And they said, no, self-help. And I said, so I went from this big, bigger, broad um, genre of writing to this little minuscule cubbyhole. And I said, no, this is not going to work. And I was very upset, and I said, no one, they don't get me. And so when I went home, I heard my little spirit voice say, do you really want to be the vision of someone else's limitation? And I was like, whoa, that's deep. No, I don't. And from that, Portal Star Publishing came. And that, that to me was a sure sign that I need to help other people who have that kind of depth of storytelling mm -hmm. and, and to the supernatural where it's not fake, it's not made up. It's, I'm writing from my own experience and knowledge about what it's like to be on that side and on this side because like my character Elizabeth Beeson Chase, I straddle both of those worlds. And um, so... Now I get to do that in addition to um, NHWP. So I, my, the stories that I work on um, and select for publication all have to have some type of um, supernatural element to it or a spiritual, deep spiritual element that will enlighten the reader about their own sense of existence um, and the world around them. Um, and so I've been blessed with, with that element in my life now. Mm, wow. So multifaceted. You know, we, we hear a lot about uh, people self-publishing uh, these days. We, we're hearing more and more, I think, uh, of people doing that. They, they have to. Um, the publishing world has changed traumatically. And I say traumatically because um, oftentimes there aren't the editors to do the work of editing. And um, you are, w once upon a time, the publisher would say, okay, we set up these tour dates for you. Go here, here, here. The hotel is here. The hotel is there. Now it's like, now we published your book for you, and you need to go sell. Where are you going to go sell? And you, you excuse me? No, you're going to go sell your book. We've given you... There's this budget, there's this timeline, and if you don't sell these many books, that's we're done. And so it's a completely different field now, and it invites people who are really interested, the novices such as myself. Now I'm starting to feel a little seasoned, mm -hmm. thankfully, but it invites us to come in and create and learn and, and take the bull by the horns and do what we need to do. But we've got to do it on a tier, on a level that is sophisticated and, um, 
and elegant so that it's not self-published. It's not, you know, there's such a thing if you want to write something and publish it just so you can pass it out for your family, mm-hmm. great. Yeah. But if you want it to go on a bookshelf, I mean, I scrutinize book titles. Yes, I do judge a book by its cover. I don't want to see hand-drawn art. I don't care that your child did it for you and they went to art school. I want to see something that if I see it from across the room, that I, I it will draw me in. So... I am trying to advocate that for people who are self-publishing. If you're not sure, ring me up, bring it to me, and I will give you my honest opinion. There you go. And what's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, uh, um, Mashri at nhwritersproject.org. And again, our number is 603-270-5466. 603-270-5466. All right. Mashari, the time has gone by very quickly uh, this morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. And I hope you'll come back. Absolutely. This has been an, a joy. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you so much for being with us today. Here on uh, Kale & Company on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs>